Hello, and welcome to this week's Shooting Moon Podcast, broadcasting live and direct from Revenue Rocket World Headquarters in Bloomington, Minnesota. As you know, Revenue Rocket is the world's premier growth strategy and M&A advisor to IT services companies. Today, we are talking about search funders, and with me today are my partners, Ryan Barnett and Matt Lockhart. Welcome, guys. Hey, Mike. Yeah, definitely an interesting topic. We obviously are running across uh, search funders on a regular basis, uh, some of which have their, you know, sort of their house in order and others that maybe not so much, but it'll it'll be a good, interesting topic to explore. Yeah, thanks, guys, and thanks for setting up. This is Ryan here, uh, and I appreciate everyone tuning in today on this uh, this week's podcast. Uh, we really, when we look at our work, we do M&A for uh, buyers and sellers. And and today we're going to talk about what a search fund is and, and why it matters to a seller. And I'm going to go back in time a little bit. Uh, the term search fund uh, is actually originated in Harvard Business School way back in 1984. Uh, and it was popularized in Stanford uh, in the following 10 years after that. And it's been steadily adopted by a number of business schools and entrepreneurs really across the world. Uh, so uh, there's a great study published uh, quite uh, July 14th that looked at a, a 2022 fund of search funders. And I'm just going to be uh, very prescriptive here in, in describing it. A search fund is a, it's an entrepreneurial path undertaken by one or two individuals, which we call searchers. And they form an investment vehicle with a small group of investors. Uh, some are, are mentors. Some help search, some help acquire, uh, and some are just straight up investors within that. They look to become the CEO of a company and run that company for about six to ten years. And uh, when it's a, when they can put themselves in a place and they can run the company, typically they're going to take over as the founder. They will oftentimes move to the city in which the company that they're buying is in, and they will go and run that company and and and, and do well. So. Typically, uh, they'll go through a phase where they'll raise capital for six months. Uh, they'll look to buy a company for 12 to 24 months, operate that company for four to seven years, and then take an exit after after that time. So, uh, there, again, this, uh, there's a great study on this. Uh, Peter Kelly, uh, lecturer in management, and Sarah Heston, assistant director over at Stanford, uh, did a great study on, on executing and taking a look on this. Uh, the IRI, uh, the, the return on investment in IRR and in search fund is actually really impressive. And it, it's an investment tool that can be very powerful. Uh, that being said, talking to a searcher from a seller's perspective can be a little bit hard. Uh, so today we'll kind of walk through why that matters for a seller and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. So uh, I'll let, I'll, let's hand this over to, to Matt first. When a company, a seller is looking to sell their firm, they're typically looking for strategic, cultural, and financial fit. Matt, can you just help us dig into the strategic fit of where a search fund fits in in a customer in a company and how that may uh, may work? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it it can be done in a, a couple of different lenses, right? You know, one is just from Many searchers, you know, may convey themselves like a, a private equity fund, right, um, where they have the capital, 
they have a thesis or experience or a discipline around, you know, the target acquisition space. So, for example, you know, if you're in the managed services uh, space, um, these individuals have studied it, they understand it, they they may have worked for a financial firm, a private equity firm with holdings in that space. And so they're demonstrating um, not just an, an interest in the space, but an experience in the space that would be, you know, viable for a seller to consider um, a, a search funder. On the other end, you know, potentially a seller is looking to, you know, kind of sell in uh, with an appropriate partner in which they they aren't interested in, you know, a full acquisition and walking away immediately. And they would potentially entertain a search funder who has a longer term outlook, has the capital to allow a seller to, quote unquote, take chips off the table, but then be involved uh, just, you know, and transition over the overall responsibility of the ownership of the firm over a longer period of time. Yet in that way, they could really increase the uh, the overall enterprise value of, of selling their firm. Um, you know, it, again, in that in that lens, you need to take a longer term view. Um, you may be more involved earlier on in a transition. You may be doing some teaching and et cetera, et cetera, to a search funder. But there are, you know, obviously real viable, you know, strategic fit opportunities in looking at the search fund community. Yeah, and I think the goal of that searcher is to ultimately run a successful company and to to make it a something that they can return investment to themselves, return investment to to their investors, and and be successful at it. And I think there is a fit in which uh, if if someone comes within the industry, they can be better suited to execute. And this is, a, if I say, a label this podcast a little differently, it might be our, our plea to search funders. It's uh, when search funders, um, it, on average, they will look at, um, uh, it can be hundreds of firms before they go and execute. Um, we really encourage you to take a look at the industries that you're in and start to specialize in the industries and really consider uh, if you're going to have discussions that, that the niche that you're finding is uh, fairly tight. Uh, but oh, if you're, uh, it's, it's tight enough that you can make an impact, and the people that you'll be managing and working with are are confident with your ability to execute within that. Uh, Mike, if you take a, would you uh, be able to take a swing at culturally uh, what sellers should should consider uh, when talking to a search funder? Yeah, I think you alluded to some of it. You know, I think uh, passion for the industry is critically important uh, for a search funder and some background or at least understanding of the business. And I think where the unfortunate thing is many search funders get a uh, 
you know, take a bad rap because oftentimes they're looking in a generic way at all kinds of companies that could potentially be a fit. They're, they're somewhat non-focused in their search. Um, and they tend to want to pay a lower below market multiple for the companies. And so we, we see those types of searchers um, not being very successful, in some cases not being successful at all. I think the formula for success in IT services is to say, you know, if you're, you're looking at someone who's looking at buying your business as a seller, uh, who is a searcher, is to say, one, you know, are they singularly focused on your part of the, the space, right? IT services, whether that be a managed service provider, where there's certainly a lot of interest, or app implementers, or custom development shops, or SaaS companies, whatever it might be, but are they focused fairly narrowly on your space and they have done their homework and know the space? Uh, <clears throat> two, they are adequately capitalized, right? They've raised enough money, have commitments and capital to structure a deal that would make sense. Uh, and from a cultural perspective, you guys are aligned, like you can work together, right? Because you're going to be mentoring this person for some period of time and training them in your business. Um, and you need to be able to show up together every day and work together for some period of time to be able to get them up to speed to manage, run, and lead the business. And certainly they have to have, you know, very good leadership skills in order to do that. I mean, we're in a people-based business, people-based industry. If they do not have those leadership skills, it's going to be very, very challenging to manage, run, and, you know, ultimately acquire as a searcher. Uh, people-based businesses. So, you know, I would hold that standard pretty high when you're thinking about cultural fit. You know, you got to think about, can my people work for this person, right? And, you know, super important. So, you know, evaluate it, you know, I think in that lens, like, hey, if this person tomorrow was to be sitting in my chair, you know, how would how would the rest of the team see them? And could they see them as a leader that could get them to the next level? Yeah, and, and and to add on to that a bit, some of this goes back to if you think of where search funds were were built. So, if you a lot of the search fund activity that we've talked to, it it's a person who's been educated at a top tier school. We're talking Harvard, Stanford, uh, some of the uh, Columbia. We've seen very top educated people. We've seen people that are have been independently financially successful. We have seen people who have had uh, careers at some of the largest companies in the in, in the in the world. Uh, you see Amazon, Google, Facebook type people who will go and start and look to buy their their own their own fit. Uh, and you've got a lot of independent uh, thinkers who are out there who are trying to to put their own mark on things. Where it sometimes becomes challenging is that that alignment of what they've done in a large corporate environment doesn't necessarily align itself to actually running a company. Uh, and that's a, a very big hurdle that uh, culturally a lot of sellers have a hard time understanding. Yeah, I mean, I think I would add that, you know, their their history, sort of their upbringing is important, right? You know, have they worked in uh, – I mean, they come from a family of entrepreneurs, for example, which many of these search funders do. Um, have they worked in that business? 
Um, have they been exposed to what it takes to run a small business? Um, and, you know, then happen to be educated at a top tier school, um, you know, like Warden or Stanford or Harvard or one of the top, you know, probably 25 schools, business schools in the country, uh, we'll all be talking about search funds. I think it's not enough as a search funder to just be a graduate of one of those schools. I think sometimes students come out of those schools and they say, well, you know, I'm from a rel- I, I can fundraise or I come from an affluent family. I was trained and went to school, a best top tier business school. I can run any business. And where that may be the case, the nuance of actually doing that uh, culturally and being respected amongst the peers in a human capital-based business like IT services is oftentimes missed. So I think for searchers that are coming into our industry, that's critically important. They come with a big leg up if they've been, for example, worked in industry and in a services company, went and maybe got their, you know, MBA and then came back out and said, okay, now I've been, I've I've played operating roles in an IT services company as a full-time, you know, employee or as someone who, you know, went back to get their MBA uh, secondarily, I'm now coming into the market looking to acquire a company. That's sort of a different cultural and experience base that, you know, we don't see very often. I, I certainly would welcome it if we saw more searchers that had that profile. They exist, but certainly not many. And I think having relevant experience in professional services, certainly uh, whatever that level might be, will be a big leg up if searchers want to be, you know, acquiring IT services companies. I think that's a great point, Mike. I mean, if you think about, quite honestly, one of our existing customers, I don't know that we would characterize, because if you're, you know, you talk about coming out of a big corporation and he came out of Microsoft, right? And you wouldn't characterize him as necessarily a traditional search funder, but he did just that. He he created some financing. I think his was more bank financing and personal financing and then found the right target company to buy as a as a first step and and now we look at him he's you know grown his company over 12 15 years here and and is and is doing great but he had the applicable experience through his many many years at Microsoft and not just the technical experience but you know great business experience and so that is clearly differentiated from what we also do see is uh, an increasing amount of uh, MBA very smart individuals very smart young young professionals who uh, you know are looking at this as a as a first step in their career very interesting. Great, great point, Pat. Great point. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, one thing when looking at this uh, study from Stanford in 2022, uh, the uh, the median price for an acquired company was actually 16.5 million, uh, and the EBITDA multiple was uh, 7.3x uh, EBITDA, and actually 2.1 times revenue. Uh, those are higher prices than we've seen uh, traditionally. Uh, one of the things that uh, search funders are looking for is higher annualized recurring revenue. 
Uh, so you, you see a lot of companies or uh, searchers looking to acquire within services, software and tech-enabled services uh, and technology because they can offer, I think, access to that annual recurring revenue. Uh, the other side of that equation, if you're paying that much money in a, in a deal, in a seven times EBITDA is, a, is, is a, in a respectable number. It's what we're seeing a lot of deals trade near at now. Each search fund acquisition had a median of 16 investors. And to a seller, that's a lot of investors. So, Mike, I'd love to turn it over to you on the financial side of, of a transaction with a search fund. Uh, what does a searcher need to do to di- differentiate themselves uh, when it comes to, to the financial portions of a deal? And what does uh, what does it mean to have 16 investors in the loop? And, and what, what does the seller um, think about when they see that? Well, again, it's a great question, Ryan. I think what's important, you know, for the search fund community to do is make sure they have their ducks in a row as it relates to how they – um, put those investors together, how their operating agreements are built with those investors, what the committed capital is, and ultimately, you know, what that means for a seller. They have to have their game on there because a smart seller will be asking some pretty hard questions of a search funder to prove capacity to do a transaction at market which means they have to have, you know, committed capital or maybe capital sitting in an account somewhere. And those are different things. Um, and I think it's important to be able to um, to know the difference. Uh, committed capital in the investment world is just <clears throat> someone makes a commitment but doesn't invest the capital until uh, an LOI is signed and ultimately they agree on signing off on the deal. If someone has placed capital, it's going to be sitting in an account and you can see it. And so search funders sort of vary in their ability to either recruit committed capital versus, um, you know, having access to a capital account. And I think understanding the source of the funding, the uh, agreements that the uh, search funder has with their funding sources and understanding what that means to the seller uh, will be pretty important uh, because what they don't want to do, obviously, as a seller, you don't want to be in a situation where, one, they can't secure the money when it comes time to close, or more importantly, that there's some sort of, uh, you know, strings attached to that money while you're operating the business and before maybe you're fully either earned out or bought out, and there's various structures that search funders use. Uh, while they're tra- you're transitioning the business to them. And you want to make sure that you're ultimately going to be able to transact the entire uh, transaction as expected. Um, so there needs to be some scrutiny. But, I, you know, I would say that same level of scrutiny uh, should go into, you know, looking at funders in general on transactions if they're a financial buyer. Now, I position search funders as a financial buyer versus a strategic. Strategic tends to be an operating business that, is buying your business as an add-on or as a market expansion strategy versus, you know, a financial buyer who may be a PE fund or family office or even a search funder. Those guys, you know, having access to capital and understanding those capital arrangements as a seller is pretty critical 
regardless of the flavor of financial buyer and certainly in the context of a search funder. That's a great point. And and if you're if you are a search funder, just being able to define a little bit better than the you know, 15 individuals that are sponsoring you, I think that gives credence. Uh, we have found that many search funds use uh, um, a very similar template uh, on a website. Uh, they the language is is very very similar, it, to the point where you can almost immediately identify. From a distance, it, the it would kind of if you would get put in the class of a search funder, it may hurt your search. So it helps to differentiate those differentiate what you're looking for, the investors that you're using, have, and the access to capital. Uh, it may be just more than more than access to capital. It's the the mentorship and the guidance that they might be able able to provide as well. Uh, one interesting note uh, also to think about uh, if you are looking for a quick Quicker exit. Search funders do do fairly well here. So the the median time that a um, CEO or seller stays with the company is about four months after the acquisition. So in, in the last study in the Stanford uh, was done, only 13% engaged longer than two years. So uh, and actually 22% of them stayed less than one month. So oftentimes, if you're looking for an exit from the business completely. You're looking for a clean handoff. A search fund is a, a very uh, interesting method that could uh, help you achieve your goals. That is Ryan. That's a, that's that's a little surprising that owners transition out that quickly. So that's a that's a great point. Learning from this study. Yeah, I, I was surprised myself, <laughs> and and I understand the the goal is to operate and understand the company. So. I think part of the reason why we see this that uh, I think sellers should consider a search fund if they come within the industry and they've lived and breathed by something very similar. Uh, I think if you're coming straight from school or you're coming from a, let's say, an entrepreneurial company, pardon me, a, a enterprise level company and trying to become entrepreneurial, sellers have a real hard time imagining their clients and their employees working for someone who doesn't have the experience they just had grinding for the last 10, 15, 20 years. And it's very hard for them to pass the torch. I think a lot of people can pick it up and run with it. Uh, but it's to get a seller over that hump is actually one of the probably the biggest thing that search funds have to uh, to deal with. Uh, when when it comes to evaluating opportunities. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I'd also add, you know, we've seen from a lot of search funders, you know, what we'll call, uh, at least in preliminary qualifications, uh, suboptimal multiples or thinking about the market in a low multiple, believing that, you know, if you talk to 300 companies, you're going to find someone who is either naive enough or desperate enough to sell if they're willing to trade at a below market multiple. Um, that's just not the case uh, in our industry. I don't think it's the case in any industry. As I often say, I don't think any unfair deals get done. And oftentimes what search funders <clears throat> pretend to do is be, you know, a couple ticks on a EBITDA multiple below market, uh, thinking that if they buy it right, you know, and it gives them more thick ice for, um, you know, frankly, making mistakes in execution, 
of growing and building value in the business. And, and I think that's flawed thinking, um, certainly not proven out in this study, which is quite interesting, um, where the average multiple is over seven. Uh, and I think the reason that <clears throat> it shows that the average multiple is over seven is because, you know, there's plenty of search funders who do pay market, do understand they need to pay market, and are looking to transact deals. And this is a this is a study of search funders who have actually, you know, in many ways, and in that case, transacted deals uh, versus those that just wish to transact deals. And I think it separates sort of the search funders that are shoppers from those that are buyers. And I think if you're going to take the time and you're going to make the investment to be a search funder, or if you're going to evaluate them as a seller, you need you need to make sure that you're talking to real buyers that understand the market well enough to know where real multiples are uh, and to be prepared to execute on a transaction that's there uh, versus guessing and trying to, you know, bottom feed. Um, and it just, I think it's, as I brought up earlier, I think that's where uh, certainly there's plenty of people looking and, and most of the search funders that are in this sort of bottom tier aren't going to be successful just because they're trying to transact a deal that's, that doesn't make sense um, from a seller's perspective. Great, great. Uh, guys, That's um, uh, this is a, a great uh, topic for us. Uh, we're happy to discuss it further. Uh, we were, and, uh, and as you're looking to uh, sell your company, a searcher could be a fit. Uh, with that, Mike, I'll turn it over to you to, uh, to wrap it up. Thanks, Ryan and Matt. With that, we'll tie a ribbon on it. We wish you guys uh, a great week and uh, look forward to you tuning in to the Shoot the Moon podcast uh, next week. Take care and make it a great day.